hear me? Clearly, yes. Everything coming through? Daniel, everything up and running? All right, perfect. Uh, give you guys a little time to turn there. Joshua chapter 9. I know, ironic. Honestly, it just, the story came to me. It happens to be in the book of Joshua. Complete coincidence, I promise you. So, for today's topic, while you turn there, I decided to go with seeking the Lord's guidance, ironically. But uh, deciding, seeking the Lord's guidance on decision-making, etc. But, so, so let's turn to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9, we'll be starting in verse 3. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us, so how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you, and where do you come from? So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon king of Hezbon and Og king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say to them, We are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins which were filled were new and see, they are torn. And these are garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers on the congregation swore to them. And it happened at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard they were their neighbors who dwelt near them. Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now the cities were Gibeon, Shephirah, Beeroth, and Kirov-Jerim. But the children of Israel did not attack them, because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel, and all the congregation complained against the rulers. Let's open up in a time of prayer. Dear Lord, we lift up the reading of your word today. Please open our hearts to hear what you have to say to each and every one of us. I lift up those here in person, those who may be watching remotely, and any who may be watching this recording after the fact. Lord, I please I lift up every single heart hearing this, that you open their hearts to hear what you have to say. In Christ's name, amen. All right, so we have in this passage Joshua and the Israelites. They've just conquered Jericho, watching around the city, and their fame is beginning to spread. And one of the nations that they're supposed to wipe out are the Gibeonites. And these Gibeonites realize that the Israelites, with, the God, with their God, they don't stand a chance. And while if you look at the first two verses of the chapter, I skip those intentionally, but the, the rest of the nation is 
preparing to go to war against Israel. But these Gibeonites realize they don't stand a chance and decide to create a kind of con to trick the Israelites into peace because they know it's their only shot. Now, unfortunately, while this is a good plan from human standings, it does not come from a true heart of worship of God, and the Israelites just go with their own logic of saying, you know what? These guys have come. They're from a far country. Chances are we're not going to have to take take. We're not going to have to go to war with them. Let's make a peace treaty. After all, they come saying, "Look at what God had done. How can a nation that we're supposed to wipe out do that?" But above all, they don't actually ask counsel of the Lord, and that is by far the worst the worst thing they could have done. We have no idea what the Lord would have said if they had asked. But what we do know is because they swore peace. The Lord upheld that peace. Even though the Lord had promised from before they had even entered the land that the land was theirs to conquer. Because they swore peace, they had to uphold it. And whenever the Israelites went against the Gibeonites throughout Old Testament history, it ended badly for the Israelites. All right, so <laughs> enough of the doom and gloom. We Now we know what not to do. A few verses to actually show what we should be doing. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6, if you want to turn there, I'm sure most of you know it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Book of Wisdom itself saying, trust in the Lord. <clears throat> and again, lean not on your own understanding. The Lord knows better than us. It's just a fact. The Lord is the omniscient being, and we are arguably the stupidest beings on this planet. And yet, sometimes we still have trouble trusting his plan is the best. And not only that, sometimes we, tr we have doubts of God guiding us, but uh, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God not only has the wisdom that we need, but he is begging us to ask him for it, to use it. Just as a father begs a child to not make the same mistakes they made as, a, as when they were their age, God knows every path we could possibly take, every decision and the consequences thereof. He knows what's best for us. And he's begging us to go down the right path. And above all, we can trust that his, his plans are the best for us. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. His path is always the best for us. Not just for his glory, but for us. And above all, we can trust him. We uh, wanted to reference uh, last week's message, ironically, by my dad. We had not plan this whatsoever, but his message was on trusting the Lord. We can trust him. We can trust that he loves us, that he has the best plan for us. I want to get my notes back in order. But because of that, he doesn't try to deceive us. He doesn't try to send us down the wrong path in order to tempt us. His plan is always the best for us. And to attempt to choose a different path than the one the Lord has laid out for us is arrogant. For how can we 
like I said before, the stupidest beings on the planet think that our plan, our path, is somehow better than the Lord's plan. And while it sounds so crazy to think of it that way, I sadly have had this problem myself. A few years ago, uh, some of you may remember Tyler Vecchio. He had just come back from his main uh, trip to Africa for a few years. He'd come back, spent the year with us with youth group. And summer was coming up, and he had the opportunity to go back. And he even had the opportunity to take some of us with him if we wanted. He made the offer. I thought about it for a day. And I decided of my own will, I ain't going. I was honestly scared out of my mind. I did not want to go. Country, country I had never been to, people I had never met, language I had no idea how to speak. It just, it, I'll be completely honest, it freaked me out. And I just decided right then and there, no way, I'm not going. That night, after I made that decision, I had to wrestle with God a bit. I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling me to go. And believe me, I fought it on every account I could. I came up with every reason I could think of not to go. And with every argument I made, it just, the conviction got stronger. It came to the point where it honestly felt like physical pain. And I just, as far as harder I fought, the harder, stronger the conviction got until eventually I just had a point where I said, I give up. Lord, you win. You win. If you truly want me to go to Africa, I'll go. I can't deal with this anymore. And in that moment, all the conviction, all of the pain, every, every part of me that was fighting myself just instantly went away. And I could almost feel the Lord on my heart saying, that's all I need to hear. You're not going. <laughs> I know it's, it was crazy. And to me in that moment, I was genuinely perplexed. I'm like, Lord, you just put me through all of that. And the moment I actually cave and say, okay, Lord, I'll go, he says, nope, that's okay. You're not going. It, it, it perplexed me for a good few minutes until finally the Lord reminded me of the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham was told to sacrifice Isaac, a command that made absolutely no sense, especially considering Isaac was the promised child through which Abraham's lineage would come. And yet Abraham followed it and proved that he was willing, and God stopped him before he went too far. But he proved right then and there that Abraham was willing to follow God no matter what. And then again, it hit me. That's what the Lord was just trying to tell me. He didn't really care that I went. He always had the plan that I wouldn't go to Africa, but he had to break my self-will that I thought I knew what was best for me. And I can't say that I have completely cured myself of that. But I have come to realize that God's plan is always better for me. And if he makes a path clear to not follow it is the worst thing I could possibly do. And I can promise you it's the same case in every single one of your decisions. <clears throat> now, let's move on from that. Let's, let's say you somehow fight the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You fight whatever plan the Lord has for you. Or even worse, you don't seek it at all. There are sometimes physical consequences on top of the emotional and spiritual. A quote from my boss, who actually heard it from a mentor of his, both believers, the most expensive place you can possibly be is outside of God's will. No matter what your plan is, the Lord's plan is better. 
you may think it may benefit your life physically, like career choices, etc. Some some choices may be more financially successful, but it will eventually backfire. I can promise you that. <clears throat> and again, some consequences may not rear their heads for quite a while. Again, with the Israelites, it took them three days to realize they'd been caught. And some may say that's a short time, some may say it's a long time, but there are consequences, some short-term, some long-term. Some decisions, I'm sure we've all made them, the moment we decide, we realize, I made the wrong decision. Best way I can think of that is a game show. You have two choices, choice one or choice two. One of them is behind a million dollars, the other nothing. You choose one, and it's nothing. And then other times, it can take years before you even realize what the consequences are. Again, it may be, like I mentioned before, a career choice. You choose a path because you think it's financially stable, etc. And five, ten years down the line, you realize this isn't what you want to be doing. You've been miserable for the last however long you've been doing it, and you need to change. But now you're five, ten years older, and it might be a little bit more difficult. <clears throat> And then there are some that we may not even feel in this lifetime. It may take being with the Lord, either he comes for us or we're returned to him, where we actually get to see the full consequences of our decisions. <clears throat> now, thankfully, the Lord is able to use our weaknesses for his the Gibeonites, it's going back to the story in Joshua. The Gibeonites, though, tr though they tricked the Israelites, they actually turned out to be somewhat loyal companions alongside Israel across New Testament history, Old Testament history. My apologies. <clears throat> so we have many references, and in fact, many of them you wouldn't be able to, if you didn't know this, you would not be able to distinguish between them not being a sub-tribe of Israel. I genuinely have read this many times, these instances, and the Gibeonites, for my, for my mind, the way I read it, oh, it's just one of the sub-tribes of Israel, like a sub-tribe of Manasseh or something like that. But no. It was actually, we have a record of one of David's mighty men who helped make Israel, at, bring Israel to the peak of its empire. One of David's mighty men was a Gibeonite. We even have, all the way to the end of the Old Testament, chronologically, we have Gideonites, records of them helping the Israelites rebuild the temple after it was destroyed by the Babylonians and the 70-year exile. Again, what I mean to bring from all of this is God can use even our worst decisions that we make on our own. He can manage to twist them for his good and his will. But I can promise you, just going to him in the first place and getting his plan is far, far better than whatever the Lord has to work around with our decision-making. <clears throat> Alright. So now we've decided what to do once we know God's plan, or whether or not we should seek God's plan, but how do we actually get that? How do we distinguish between what is our will, what is God's will, and how do we ask God for his plan? The short question that's basically the same thing is, how does God communicate with us? And there are two main ways that I know of. There's reading the word and prayer. 
Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. We have here God's work, God's instruction manual for life. It has many, many clear indications of what paths to completely avoid and what paths are generally the right ones to go down. Sometimes you may need to pray, again, to figure out exactly where, but you can generally say, these paths are completely off limits. These paths are the, are the general area I should be looking in. And now we have prayer. Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. We have prayer. We have a direct line of communication with God to make our request known to him. And though he may not, we may not hear an audible voice telling us what the answer to that question is, both of these, prayer and reading the word, can open our heart up to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If we are open to it, if we are willing to hear what the Lord is putting on our hearts, he'll make clear the path that he wants for us. But what about when do we seek guidance? Obvious answer, always. We should always be seeking the Lord's guidance. Correct? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> but then again, there are some decisions, some, small, some what we consider small decisions that we never consider asking God. For example, this is really dangerous to bring up right about now, but I'm getting to the end, so please hang in there. Lunch. Please stay with me. Lunch, the decision, I don't know how many of you have decided what you're going to have for lunch, how many of you haven't yet, but how many of you have actually considered asking the Lord to help you decide what to do for lunch? Again, we, again, we may think that's silly, but I mean, it could be the difference between doing what the Lord's will and not being able to. For example, if you were to choose between eating in and eating out, eating out could give you the opportunity to witness to someone who you meet while you're out, and staying home, eating in, you may be around for someone who comes to your door knocking, asking for your help. Again, we don't, in our limited understanding of the universe, there's no way we can predict one way or the other. But the Lord does know. And that's why his plan is always the best. And now I would go even smaller into decision making. Some things that we don't even consider decisions. When you walk forward, do you put your right foot forward first or your left foot forward first? I know it's silly, but it can really be the difference between tripping over and just missing a little kid running around, especially around here. But yet these little decisions can be the difference. These little things that aren't even considered decisions can be the difference between being safe, doing the Lord's will, and missing out on God's opportunities for us. And then, just to make it even more difficult, I would say there are many decisions in our lives that are trivial. It doesn't really matter. But like going to lunch, do you choose the ham or the bologna sandwich? The Lord doesn't really have a plan. It's your will. We have free will. And even though we may have the free will to choose between God's plan and our own plan, the Lord also gives us free will to choose our own path. <clears throat> but how do you distinguish between these possibilities? How do you tell when there's a situation where the Lord is clearly telling you this is the path that you need to go down at other times where, I don't know, the Lord lets you choose for yourself, depending on what you want. <clears throat> Mark chapter 13, verse 11 says, 
But when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. If we are in prayer, if we are reading the word regularly, if we are open to the Holy Spirit's conviction, when the time comes, the Holy Spirit will convict us when we need to. It may not be until the very instant that we need it. And we may not even recognize it as the Holy Spirit's conviction. But as long as we're open to it, the Holy Spirit will always help guide us in whatever choices we're making, from the little right foot first or left foot first to decisions of that can decide your entire fate. <clears throat> so as a closing point, closing summary, as long as we follow God's path, as long as we are on the path that he wants from us, it will not only be best for us, it will be best for those around us, and it will be best for his glory. Let's close in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, we thank you for this time. I lift up everyone here who has heard your word. I ask that you would open their hearts to listen, hear the Holy Spirit's conviction in their lives, whether it be the littlest decisions or the greatest in, uh, life impacts, Lord. I ask that all of us be willing to hear, be willing to seek, and above all, to choose you and trust you above any instance we may have. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you.